Caldwell's True Life Academy helps intelligent, ambitious people achieve and accomplish amazing things for the purpose of living the life they've always dreamed of. We will show you how to tap into the gifts that we all have been given. True Life Academy gives you the best possible chance of living a life full of wealth, health, love, and personal power. As a certified coach, mediator, speaker, and trainer, Clarence has the skills needed to guide you to the most amazing life you can imagine for yourself, focusing on your relationships, finances, health, and career. So join the Academy and be awakened to your true life, the life you dream of, the life that fulfills your purpose, yes, the life you were intended to live. True Life Academy starts now. Hello, 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 and welcome, everyone. Welcome to True Life Academy. This is Clarence Caldwell, your host, your guide, and your coach for the week. So I bid you welcome, hello, and good morning. Yes, good morning. <laughs> I know, whatever time it is you're, you're listening to this, whether you're listening to a replay or if you're just listening to this live, it may not be literally morning where you are, but if you're listening to what we're saying, then you are literally waking up, and you're waking up to your true life. So I bid you a good morning and welcome. Now, always, I always encourage that you live your life in these three ways. So if you get tired of hearing it, um, maybe you're just doing it a lot. And uh, But I also say that repetition is the mother of skill. So you could probably do these things a little better also. And these three things are, first of all, live with an attitude of gratitude. Live in thanks. Always be thankful. And then secondly, give. Give when you can. Giving is a two-way street. When you give, you receive at the same time. And then thirdly, you have this gift, this power to choose. You always have a choice. But I say love first and then choose. Now, if you've lived your life this way this past week, then I know you've had an amazing week and you have made an amazing week for the people around you. So hello, welcome, good morning. It is September 12th. Yes, September 12, 2016, and it is one day after 9-11, September 11th, and this was the 15th anniversary of September 11th. Now, I had a, a, a sense that uh, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, that issue and all the things that come with that, but um, I took a different turn, and we're not going to go there today. Uh, I think we spent, uh, I don't know how much time you spent yesterday watching and talking about it and reliving it, uh, but that was on the 11th, and I want us to move forward to make sure that the lives that we have now uh, move forward and become everything they're supposed to be. And uh, part of that is honoring what we had to honor and also honoring our present life today. So tonight, or Today's module, today's episode, will be focused on teams. Yes, I know you're a part of a team. You may not think you're a part of a team, but you are a part of a team. And how teams operate, how teams operate, whether they are high-performing teams or whether they are dysfunctional teams. We'll talk about both. And I would even like to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or concerns about how the teams you're a part of, how they're operating. I'll take a call or two, but I'm just going to go through this 
if you call, I'll stop and take your question. And we'll just make you a part of the show. That's fine. Otherwise, we're just going to plow through. And uh, we're going to talk about teams. And again, teams not are not only uh, related to one in one aspect of your life. Teams exist in a lot of different parts of your life. Teams exist in sports. If you've ever played sports, you've been probably been a part of a team. If you if it wasn't an individual sport, uh, at work you're probably a part of a team of some sort. Whether you own your own business or a solopreneur, entrepreneur, or you're part of a larger company, you still have a team. You need people around you to help you get your job done. Or if you're none of those, maybe you're just part of a family. You know, family is a team also. It has a structure to it, if you will, in terms of, uh, you know, the CEO or the, 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 the leaders of the team, which are mom and dad. And, and, uh, and then there may be a pecking order that follows from there. I don't know. But every family is different. So there are team dynamics within the family. And so if your team, whether it's a sports, work or family, is operating at a very high level, a very positively high level, it's a high-performing team. That's great. There's a way to, to get even more out of that. But there are also these dysfunctional teams, teams that don't operate very well. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that means and how, how we can get through uh, these dysfunctional teams. But I want to share this with you in a couple of ways. Uh, one is I want to talk to you about some of the, I'll just call them the characteristics of high performing teams and and maybe some of the characteristics of dysfunctional teams and and you can identify just based on these whether or not you are a part of a high performing team or a dysfunctional team all right so a high performing team would um feel something like this um everything seems to be going great everybody's like firing on all cylinders. I mean, you're able to achieve the goals that you all have without a lot of friction. Um, it's, it's probably a good place to make changes to how you, how you guys are operating because everything's kind of going well. Um, you, can you can withstand a little disruption from time to time because it doesn't throw you off track. You know, a high-performing team is the greatest place to allow you to grow and to become more of what you were meant to be. Uh, whoever's leading the team, they can delegate more to the team and get more done. Uh, they can spend more time developing each player in the team, each person on the team. And, and so a high-performing team is, is when things are really cooking and really going well. Does that describe the team that you're a part of? Does that describe your sports team, your work team, your family team? And everything is just working really, really well n and not many issues. And when issues come up, you just you tackle them together. You know, I think about sports. Now, I'm a guy. So, you know, I, I often refer to sports analogies and metaphors. You know, I've I've led a lot of teams. I, I would say uh, at least 100 teams in my career. And and so that comes to mind, too. But I want to make this real for for people who have not been in those I'll just call them occupational leadership roles. And so when I think about teams in terms of sports, the one team that comes to mind for me is a team that was very, very successful. 
and it was the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Yes, the Chicago Bulls, they had a a player on that team called Michael Jordan. He was arguably the best player in the world, at least at that time. And some would say of all time. But Michael Jordan was an, a fabulous, fabulous ball player. But one of the things that really stands out about Michael Jordan's career is not the six championships that he's won and all of the accolades and, and, and the wealth and and uh, notoriety that comes with that name. But when he first started playing in the NBA as a professional, he did not win those championships. He did not have that level of notoriety. Now, he was known as a talented player, one of the best talents in the league, but he was not a winner in that regard. And it wasn't until he got the right coach in place Bill Jackson came in, they call him the Zen master. He came in as the right coach for Michael Jordan to take advantage of Michael's talents and build that team in a way that allowed them to go on to win a national championship. In fact, two of them, no, three, four, five. No, I think it was six championships that they won. Now that is a high performing team. Wasn't always a high performing team, but it became one under the right leadership. So we're gonna talk a little bit about how you get to that place of high performance. Now I'm gonna contrast that with uh, another set of characteristics and tell me if any of these sound familiar to you on the team that you're on. Um, some of the teammates are kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit, just taking it a little bit too far sometimes in some things that they're doing. There's conflict uh, around personalities or, or maybe even the styles or your, your work styles. Or there's a little bit of confusion as to who's responsible for what. Whose job was that anyway? Uh, confusion of roles. You even kind of question what you all are doing. I mean, what's, what goals do you have? Some of, some of the teammates might avoid certain tasks. Um, you might get frustrated because of some of the differences that are between you, or maybe the approach that you have to certain problems. You approach problems differently, and, and that kind of frustrates you. Then maybe there's this thing of, uh, in some teams, people do what I call end around. They go around the boss to talk to the boss's boss about what's going on in the team. That is, oh my gosh, that is so deadly when that happens. And then there's this issue of subtle sabotage where people are kind of setting each other up to fail sometimes. <laughs> uh, there's a lack of engagement. Maybe there's some finger pointing. It wasn't my fault. It was so-and-so that did this and so-and-so and did that. So how those characteristics feel to you? Can you identify with any or all of those? If so, then that is what I would call more dysfunction than high performance. Now, if you're on a high-performing team, I think that's fantastic and you can do more because things seem to change at times and the change will create some conflict that could move you back into an old way of being. And the old way of being is this, I'll call it this uh, dysfunctional uh, list of characteristics that I named. Now, which team do you identify with? Um, I'm going to take you through a just a quick four-step, I'll call it life cycle, of a team that shows how these things play out, 
And from that, you'll be able to determine whether or not you can move yourself and your team through that, those lists of characteristics that are dysfunctional into a place where you are operating as a high performance team. How does that sound? That's what we're going to do. I really appreciate you joining. If you're up for the task, let's get it done. Okay, let's do it. We've got some things to talk about and I'm here with you. I'm going to share what I know and uh, we're going to get successful tonight. We'll be back right after this. Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. How's your job going these days? Stop the frustration with your career. Give yourself the advantage in breaking through to the next level. What you will need to be successful are the insights and strategies that will work for you. Hi, this is Clarence Caldwell. You know me from True Life Academy, a powerful podcast that is reaching millions of people around the world. What you may not know is that I've spent many years as an executive for some of the largest companies in the United States. Whether you're trying to break the $200,000 income barrier or just wanting a fulfilling career, our leadership mentor programs are just what you need. Visit me at ClarenceCaldwell.com or call us at 8883-090917. That's 8883-090917. Your time is now. Let's break through to the next level of your career. voters reminds you that on election day we are all equal please join your friends and neighbors by registering to vote and going to the polls november 8th visit www.vote411.org to find out who will be on your ballot and how the voting process works in your community this election is about our future and we all need to weigh in. Welcome back to True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Hello and welcome back. Now, I, I was just thinking about that first segment and I was just thinking about uh, when I talked about Michael Jordan and that sports analogy, uh, how things changed when Phil Jackson came in as the coach and uh, really created a high-performing team. Uh, and that was kind of a, 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 I'll call it a subtle hint to you that if you're struggling, if your team is struggling, then you might need a level of coaching, a level of leadership now, the leader of that team should have the ability and capability of providing the, the coaching that, that uh, is necessary. But even the leader sometimes is not uh, really attuned to what it takes to create a high-performing team. So you might need a coach. Your team may need an outside uh, influence of someone like a, the, the Zen master, <laughs> Phil Jackson. 
um, or career doctor like Clarence Caldwell. Uh, if that's the case, please uh, reach out to me and I'll be happy to come in and, and do whatever I can to uh, create that high performance team that you're hoping to be a part of. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this life cycle of what it takes to move from the beginning to this place of high performance. And believe me, the beginning is not all this dysfunction that I described in terms of characteristics. The beginning of most teams starts with what's called, um, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna refer to uh, a psychologist who did a study on group development and group dynamics. He did it back in the 60s, 1965, I think it was. Now, what, what does that tell you? One thing that it tells me is that there are very few new ideas floating around. There are ideas that are out there that we might shape and turn and change and mold in a different way, but there are very few new ideas that you are going to hear anywhere. Now, you're going to hear it differently from different people, and I'm going to certainly put my spin on something that you may already know about, but I may do it in a way that speaks to you more so than it ever has, or someone else may put a spin on it that speaks to you in a different way. So. This isn't about let's find the greatest new idea. Sometimes it's about let's find the newest way to take advantage of the existing ideas that we have. So I go as far back, and, and some of you have heard some of my uh, previous modules where we've talked about uh, things that have come up in the 1937 or 1912. Uh, you know, Think and Grow Rich. That book was a 19, uh, I believe it was 1937 when that book was created. Those principles still survive and are meaningful today. Well, 1965 was a good year as well. And there's a psychologist named Bruce Wayne Tuckman. And Bruce Wayne Tuckman came up with this group development, group dynamics model that he called um, forming, storming, norming, and performing. Those were the, the four stages of the team's life cycle, if you will. Forming, storming, norming, and performing. And some of you who have been in business have probably heard that before. So it's not new. But I want to share with you the thoughts around each of these so that you know specifically what's important about where your team growth is, whether it has to do with the sports team, a work team, or even your family, and how you can move your team from that forming through the storming, get to a place of norming, and ultimately, as I started the show, uh, talking about performing, high performance. How do you get to that place? So let's talk about this forming stage. And I know it's uh, you might say, well, that's kind of the, just putting the team together, right? Well, there's so much more than that. Forming is a an issue that has more to do with really establishing what the purpose is, if you will. What are you here to do? What's the vision? What's the mission? Does everybody know what the goals and objectives are? This is a foundation of any team, any team. You've got to know what you're about and you have to know um, really who's doing what. You've got to know what resources you might have available, what that structure looks like, who's in charge, um, how do you get past certain critical issues. I mean, these are the foundation uh, elements of 
of what I call forming. Now, what also happens uh, in this forming stage is you, you really identify who the players are, who the right people are. Are they doing the right things? Or do you have them in the right positions? Are they trained well? Um, do you have the right expectations of them? Are you measuring their performance? Uh, or do they have the right level of support? All boring stuff, I know, <laughs> but it is so necessary. If you don't have that formation, that foundation and that, at, at that level of forming, um, you really are gonna have a tough time in getting this team to perform at a different level because without those things in place, the characteristics of a dysfunctional team begin to take hold. If the team does not know what they're there to do, if they don't know who's doing what and why the person's doing what they're doing, their teammate, uh, you're gonna have confusion on the team. You can have a team full of star players. You can have a Michael Jordan and a Scottie Pippen and, and several other great players on your team. But if it is not clear on what they're doing, why they're doing it, the, the mission, the way they're going to go about doing it, whose role is what, if that's not clear, you're not going to have a high-performing team. So this foundation is so very, very important. You know, if you're talking about a workplace team, then this forming piece also refers to the cultural norms. What is the culture of that team? How does that team operate? What, you know, what is, what's normal? Everything from what hours of work are people expected to be doing what their role said they should be doing? Attendance. I mean, do people just take days off when they want to take a day off? They just don't show up. And, it, and that, that is also in sports. People are not showing up to practice. Uh, people are not showing up uh, for family functions. If you have a family function, they say, ah, I'm just going to blow this off. That's a cultural norm that can exist in any team. How that plays out is up to the team and usually up to the leader. The leader kind of sets what's expected and holds the team accountable to those norms. You know, if you're in the workplace and you have flexible time off, um, what does that mean? What does it look like? You know, I think about companies and their priorities. Now, some companies, you know what their priorities are. They'll tell you, they'll tell the public what their priorities are. Um, remember a company called Ford Motor Company? Yeah, they still exist. They're still a great company. Do you know what their slogan is? It kind of says what they're all about. I'll remind you. Safety is job one. Have you ever heard that? Safety is job one. That means above everything else, they are going to make sure that their employees are safe. Now, they want to make money. Their customers are imp important. They want to have a return on investment for their show shareholders. But they have clearly stated that their priority is around their employees. Interesting, huh? When you think about some other companies like... Um, Oh, gosh, let's pick Nordstrom's. Where do you think their priority is? Their priority is in the customer. You know that because they will take a, a, a suit back from me if I've worn it 10 times. As long as I've bought it within this year, I can take that suit back and say, no, nah, it, it's just not me or it doesn't fit the way I thought it would. They'll take it back. That's because the customer is always right. Their number one priority is their customer. 
Now, whether it's the shareholder, the customer, the employee, whatever it is, that's a cultural norm that gets set within any organization. So what's the cultural norm for the team that you're a part of? That has to be a part of this forming stage, this foundation building. And if there is no cultural norm, if you will, one gets established anyway. If it's not very clear and stated and developed by the leader or leaders, then it gets developed anyway. And that happens through the team itself. The team begins to adjust to each other and, and the norm gets built. And usually it's kind of a strong player on the team, somebody who's like real mouthy or real boisterous or maybe even the high performer on the team that just thinks that they are someone with the biggest ego or whatever it is, that person begins to take on this quasi leadership role and they begin to set what the norm is. They come in late. Well, I guess it's okay. If John comes in late, I'm going to come in late too. Or whatever the norm is, it gets set one way or the other. So this forming stage, this foundation building is so very important for the culture of the organization. So I, I just want to share that with you. Um, you know, a lot of times during this forming stage, it's, it's all nice. You know, people are very positive when the new, new team gets put in place. Uh, uh, everybody's polite. Um, there's some, some people are a little anxious because they're not quite sure what's going to happen next, but people make an effort to get to know each other and, and things seem to run fairly well in that, in that phase of forming. Uh, so if you don't have that foundation built, you can forget about getting to a high performance level because we're going to go back to that foundation every time we run into an issue. And where the issues get run into is during this next phase, the storming phase. This is the phase where I said you had a dysfunctional team and I listed those characteristics, those team behaviors, where uh, conflict of personalities and confusion of roles and uh, people are testing the rules and there's sabotage and finger pointing. All of those things are uh, really a result of not having that foundation really set in place and a culture that supports the foundation that's been set in place by the leader. All right, so the storming piece is one that we're gonna talk a little bit about because I want to address any issues you might have there. And so again, if, um, if you want to chime in, um, please give us a call. Uh, the number here is 866-404-6519. We are live. But if you're listening to this as a replay or on uh, iTunes or toginet.com, then uh, you won't be able to call. But hopefully you're getting a lot out of it in either case. Uh, we've got a lot more to share, and uh, we're going to take a break here shortly. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about this storming a little bit and how you move from storming into high performance. How would you like that? All right. That's what we're about tonight. We'll be back right after this. Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. 
congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. And ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. To True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Hello, and welcome back. And we are talking about the life cycle, if you will, or the dynamics of, of teams and how they form, they storm, they norm, and then perform. Uh, we went through the forming stage, which was really a foundation. But I want to share something with you because this next phase, this storming phase, is very, very critical. Um, I, there is a book that we're going to talk just a little bit about that I want to share with you. And yes, there's a book because reading books are so much fun, right? They're so much fun and they're so important to do. And because of that, I put together a list of books that I think every conscious leader should read. So I'm going to just give you an opportunity to, to get that list free of charge of the, some of the books that I have found to be very impactful to uh, my career and the career of other people that I know. And uh, these books, I've only picked 20 out of literally the thousands that are out there. Um, and so these aren't the only books you should be reading, but I'd like for you to add these to your reading list as well. And the way to get that list of books is to go to clarencecaldwell.com forward slash leaders read. Leaders read, okay? clarencecaldwell.com forward slash leaders read. If you go there, um, put your email address in and I, that list will show up in your inbox r immediately. And um, and then you'll uh, certainly have that book. Plus, you'll you'll get a note from me, a video note from me, um, giving you yet another tip. So with that in place, uh, please go there. 
Because one of the things, one of the books that really comes to bear in this area of storming that I want to share with you is this book called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, It is uh, written by Patrick Lencioni, and it's a New York Times bestseller. If you've not heard of The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, I encourage you to grab the book if you're dealing as a leader or even as a team member. Uh, whether it's a, a family team or a work team or a sports team, this book really identifies key issues that can make a difference for you developing a more high-performing team than a storming team. All right. So when we talked about storming, uh, I listed all those characteristics that I don't need to go back over again uh, with you. But just from those characteristics that I shared with you, you know that um, people are a little frustrated, uh, that there's dysfunction on the team. And so one of the things that uh, that happens is I'll just call this the first of the five dysfunctions that are outlined in in uh, Patrick's book is a lack of trust. A lack of trust. Wow. Of the five dysfunctions, that's probably the biggest one. When you have teammates, team members that are distrustful of each other, then something begins to happen with that cultural norm that we talked about. Something begins to happen in terms of the interaction that people have with each other. You have a tendency, if you don't trust the person you're working with, you will have a tendency not to tell them everything (laughs) because you don't trust them. They may use it against you, right? You may have a tendency to look for certain things in someone else that may or may not be there because you just don't trust them. You got to watch them. You got to watch that person. Everything they do is suspect. So this issue of trust is so very critical and becomes a dysfunction when there's a lack of trust. Even yourself, you hide your your faults. We all have faults. We all are not good at everything, right? So you begin to hide some of the faults that you have. Or if you make a mistake, have a failure here or there, you will have a tendency to cover that up, to hide it. When you begin hiding who you are, you begin to covering up some of your mistakes. The team does not benefit from that growth that you might be experiencing and that they all can experience. Because now it's individuals. You're not operating as a team. You're operating in your own little bubble. So one of the biggest, biggest dysfunctions of a team is this issue of trust. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Do you trust your teammate? Do you trust your leader? Without that trust, I will tell you, you you might as well stop there. If you can't build that trust on a team, then... Forget about the rest. Now, if you go back to this forming thing with the foundation that's built, that is a critical, critical foundation where you can begin to build the trust. When you know what is expected of everyone else, when you know that the goals and objectives are set, when you know what the, the, the culture really is expected to be, when you know what the vision, the, the charter, the mission, you know what, what the, the values are, when that foundation is set, it opens the door for individuals on the team to become more transparent, 
and more trusting, less hiding of faults and failures and more open. So it's very important to have that level of trust. Now, there's a couple of ways to get there. You know, one of the things that that stands in the way of trust is just not knowing someone. You might know who they are, you know a little bit about them, where they live, what time they get to work every day. Um, But if you don't really know who they are, you will have a tendency to hold back. And it's not that you don't trust them, but you're not going to trust them enough to share all of you with them. And if you're not sharing all of you, then what happens in reverse? They're not going to trust you. (laughs) So this trust is a two-way street. But beyond just knowing the person, it's also helpful to know what they believe. What are their beliefs? You know, when you know what someone believes, what the core values are that they have, that's a game changer. That changes everything. And so getting to a place where you can know someone and know their values, know their beliefs, whether you agree with them or not, whether you believe the same thing or not, that's not an issue in the issue of trust. See, there are people that I know that are completely the opposite in terms of their beliefs on certain issues, but I trust them because I know who they are. I know what they believe and I'll work with them because I trust them. But if I don't know who they are and I don't know what they believe, I will hold back until I find out. And if they're hiding because they don't want me to see, of course, they don't trust me, then that thing just escalates. I hope you get that. The second piece of this storming dilemma, uh, we'll call it the second dysfunction as outlined in this book that I recommended, is a fear of conflict. Now, fearing conflict is an interesting dynamic because when you fear conflict, there will be this, um, I'll just call it um, a lack of willingness to engage. You'll, you'll start to hold back. I mean, you know, I don't want to ruffle feathers. You know, I don't necessarily agree with what my teammate just said or did. But you know what? I, I'm just, I'm not going to voice my opinion about this idea that they put forward because I don't want to create the conflict. So teams that are not willing to address those areas of conflict will have a tendency to remain in a storming phase. And this is one of those dysfunctions. You know, the leader as well as everyone else must acknowledge that the willingness to engage in healthy conflict is productive. Healthy conflict can be productive and often is very productive. If it's healthy conflict, it's productive. But if people don't see it as productive and they see it as something that is to be feared, then they won't engage in that. And a good leader who understands that this issue of conflict, healthy conflict around ideas is necessary in order for the team to grow, will encourage 
different points of view. You know, when you have a leader that just says, hey, this is what uh, we're going to do. Uh, this is the idea that I have. And no one speaks up. No one wants to challenge that idea in any way because they don't want to create the conflict. Guess what happens? The team is not operating. It's the leader that's operating because it's all the leader. The leader must understand that their idea is simply that. It's their idea. And they ultimately have the right or the authority to make the final decision. No one's taking that away from the leader. But a good leader under also understands that there are many, many other ideas amongst the team that must be heard, that should be heard, that have to be recognized. And when you recognize the ideas from everyone on the team, there's a couple of things that happen. One is you begin to get a level of synergy that raises everyone up to another level. But the second thing that happens, which is even more powerful, is that individuals on the team begin to see themselves as a value add to the team. Have you ever been on a team where you didn't think anything you said made a difference at all? Where you just said, well, I, you know, I, I said something, but it just got glossed over. They obviously don't value my input. You know, when your input is not valued, when you are saying things and no one's listening, you don't feel appreciated. You don't feel recognized. If you're not recognized, appreciated, and valued, then your job satisfaction rating is extremely low. And your willingness to contribute goes away as well. So this issue of the leader not seeking out conflicting ideas and engaging in healthy discussion around those conflicting ideas creates dysfunction on many, many levels. All right. And that, that I'm going to stop that there because we're going to move into the next phase of dysfunction uh, when we get back from the break. And when we get back, I'll share with you the other three dysfunctions of a team. We'll be back right after this. Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature. 
and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. To True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Okay, we're back, and I, I just want to really briefly just say that um, this issue of uh, forming and storming, uh, the storming piece is really where most teams fall down. and and the five dysfunctions that really contribute to that storming is what we're going through right now. And But this issue of trust being the number one, uh, I, I got to tell you, that one, if you don't resolve that one, this, it, it really leads to these others of fear of conflict, as an example. People won't step up and, and share their ideas. So uh, as we go through this, if you do find that this is resonating with you at all, again, I just offer, uh, call in and let me know what works for you and your team. Uh, what is not working? Do you Are you a part of a high-performing team? What does that look like to you, and, and how does that play out? What are the things that are important to you? Um, and if you're listening to this uh, as a replay, don't try calling. But if you're here live, call us at 866 866- 404-6519-866-404-6519. Okay. Now, the third dysfunction of a team is called a lack of commitment. A lack of commitment. Now, commitment is so very important because it, it's, a, it's a huge word, and I know it's, it's got a lot of legs to it. And we're not going to get into all of the things that, com- that come with that at this stage because it is so, so very large and it looms large in our lives in many aspects of our lives. I believe it was a few weeks ago I, 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 I um, shared with you the issue of really getting anything major done in your life that you need three things Uh, especially as a leader, or if you just want to accomplish anything great in your life, you need a level of courage, you need a level of confidence, and you need a level of commitment. And uh, so those three things have to work together. But what's happening on a team basis, if you don't have this commitment by the team to that foundation that we started talking about, to the goals, to the mission, to the culture, to a, a, a commitment to the 
to the expectations that are put on everyone. Um, that is not good. And, and this will show up as um, when you're going through, let's say you have an issue that your team is discussing that everyone cannot agree on. And that's almost everything, right? Anything that hits the table, someone has an idea, not everybody's going to agree on that item. So that's where this issue of conflict is very important. You have, if people have a fear of conflict, no one's going to speak up. But let's say people do speak up. Let's say you've gotten past this issue of trust. You've gotten past this issue of uh, fear of conflict, and people are willing to, to share their ideas. The lack of commitment will show up in this way. There's two ways uh, people can agree to something that they disagree to. One is with a level of consensus. How does that feel? Consensus. We're going to reach consensus on this. And I will tell you this. There are a lot of people who will tell you that you must reach a consensus or some level of consensus before you move on uh, with any anything that you are trying to accomplish. I'm going to take issue with that because I think consensus is deadly. This is my spin on it. Okay. This is, uh, like I said, there are no new ideas, but Clarence is telling you that if you're just after consensus, you are not really committed to moving forward. Consensus does not breed commitment. When you are just after consensus, then you've gotten to a place where not everybody agrees, but we've kind of agreed to disagree on some things. Ugh, another one that I, that I just will not tolerate. Agree to disagree? You might as well just walk away because agreeing to disagree is not an agreement. It's simply a restatement of your disagreement. And it's okay, you can disagree but you're not going to move forward on that issue as long as you disagree. And when you get to a level of consensus, what you really have is so much compromise going on that everyone just says, okay, I'll, I'll live with that decision. And everybody lives with a level of compromise that doesn't really warrant you committing to it. And if you're not committing to whatever the idea is, you're not going to give your all. If you're committed to something, you remember when we talked about commitment before, that's your will and your desire to really do something. You go above and beyond because you're absolutely committed to it. You will walk on coals. You are, you know, you've got the burning desire. That's a commitment that moves you forward. If you're in a, a level of consensus because you've agreed to disagree and you're moving forward because that's what everybody else is doing, that's not a commitment. And what you want from your team is a level of commitment. You want a level, a great teams know that there's a level of certainty around everybody's engagement in whatever it is that you've decided. And when you get that level of engagement that is certain, the team moves forward because of a level of commitment that's higher than this consensus. That's so important. So a lack of commitment is a dysfunction. The fourth dysfunction that's outlined in uh, Patrick's book is an avoidance of accountability. Avoidance of accountability. Now, what do we mean by that? When we say we are avoiding accountability, 
what it really means is that it's, it's very much like this lack of commitment, that there's no, um, there's no conflict of ideas that's really getting flushed out, right? So you had this fear of conflict, you had this lack of commitment, but when there's an avoidance of accountability, that's when people are not willing to call somebody out on something that they are not doing. Now, I don't mean really go in and go after someone uh, in a mean and mean-spirited way, but you, each team member has to be willing to say, you know what, you didn't do that job the way we all agreed that you would do it. So you got to be able to call that person out. And if you're not calling someone out on their commitment, then you're accepting the mediocrity. And you're just going to stew in this place of dysfunction. You're going to stew in this place of storming. If you want to get to a level of high performance, you've got to be able to call people out, call them out, not in a negative way. I know the way I'm saying it might sound like you're really, you know, getting in someone's face. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, and, And I know this is easier said than done, but you really have to be able to hold each other accountable to what they've signed up for. It's kind of peer pressure. When you get a level of peer pressure, then people are not going to want to disappoint each other. They're going to step up and do what they're expected to do because they know they're going to get called out if they don't. And it's a healthy level of conflict. It's a healthy level of uh, uh, commitment. When you can hold each other accountable, again, you have to have that first one. You've got to have a level of trust in order to get to this. That's why that trust is so very important. But holding each other accountable is very, very important to move the team forward. And, you know, if you don't have this conflict of of ideas where you can really just hold people uh, accountable to their commitment, then um, you're really not going to move move forward. The fifth area uh, of the five dysfunctions that are called out in this book is an inattention to results. Inattention to results. If you're leading a team and you're not paying attention to the outcome, you're not paying attention to the measurements, to the to the results, then no one's really being held accountable to the progress of the team. Now, at the very first part of this, the forming piece, when I talked about forming, storming, norming, and performing, the forming, the foundation really talks about establishing goals, objectives, mission, vision, all of that. That foundation is so very important, but having it just established is only part of it. It has to also be measured. You know, when when I talk about four the four Ps of, of miraculous, miraculous management, I talk about people and process and planning, and the fourth one is performance measurement. You must be able to measure not only how the team is doing, but how each individual is doing. When an individual is measured and held accountable to what they're signed up for, they're going to perform at a higher level. The team is going to perform at a higher level. Everybody wins. Those are the the five dysfunctions that create this storming that we talked about, this storming characteristics that you're probably experiencing in, in one of the teams that you might be on, whether it's a sports team, a family team, or a work team. Those five, one of those five dysfunctions 
are taking place if you're experiencing those characteristics. And so I, I really just challenge you to go back and examine these five dysfunctions and those characteristics and see if that applies. Now, after storming comes this issue of norming. That's when uh, things are kind of like normal, I guess I'll call it, uh, where things just are, are, you know, they're not necessarily firing on all cylinders, but everybody's gotten used to the culture. Things are running fairly smooth. Conflict is low. Um, you're building on each other's strength. Organizational-wise, for a leader, it's a matter of just you're in maintenance mode, and, and uh, there's more respect for the leader there as well. So norming is a good place to be. But again, it's not a high-performance team. If you want to get to a level of high performance uh, where you're firing on all cylinders and that you're able to achieve goals without any friction and all of that, you've got to get to that place of, high, of, of performing. And this high-performance piece is very, very important. Now, um, there's one more piece that got added by, uh, um, by the, uh, the four areas, st forming, storming, norming, and performing. There's one called adjourning. And adjourning is really has to do with, that got added in 1977. That really has to do when teams break up or there's been a change in the organization and, and people feel a sense of loss there. So anyway, those were, <laughs> I went through this very quickly. I encourage you to contact me at ClarenceCaldwell.com or call me at 888-309-0917. If your team is struggling in any of these areas, uh, give me a call. Maybe we can put something together that really gets them out of the storming and into the performing. So until next week, I'm going to bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. That's what I know, and I'm sharing it with you. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you again later. Take care. for joining us on today's True Life Academy. Certified coach, trainer, and motivational speaker, Clarence Caldwell, returns next week at this same time to share his keys to success to help you achieve the life you dream of. Yes, the life you were intended to live.